Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode eight. I am having fun out here, honestly. It, it gets a lot more fun the more clearly you see the cognitive dissonance at play and some of the responses that we've gotten to certain controversial topics, going back and forth with people and, and seeing them recognize that the distortion and the division that they're clinging to for that false sense of certainty that at the end of the day is only exacerbating and, and reinforcing their suffering. So it's been interesting to watch, but the less seriously I've taken myself, the, the more fun <laughs> and enjoyable it, it's getting. And I agree. It's absolutely enjoyable. Once you're not taking it personally, when you realize that the mechanism is, that is at play is the, the same mechanism that you yourself would suffer through if you were over-identifying with a concept for a source of value, you would be defensive. You would feel threatened. You would lash out. You would do all of the same things and you would misinterpret what's being said based on the discomfort that you're feeling. And that's often the case. And so I just want to say to everyone who does give us feedback, whether that feedback is in the comments, on Discord, in email, in any way, shape or form, in the form of a podcast episode, we appreciate that feedback. We listen to that feedback. And we honestly do take in what you're saying. That doesn't mean that we agree with it. And it doesn't mean that our original point isn't valid. And I think that's what we're trying to get across is that we're more than happy to question the point that we're making. If you would argue the point that we're making. But often what happens is that people argue the points that we're not making that they want to assume we're making because it's directly tied to how they see themselves. And that's the case. And so in that case, we're once again learning from that process because again, we go through it too. We are still susceptible to the same trappings that you are. And in being aware of that, we can see when you're getting tripped up by them and hopefully when we are. But if you want to have a conversation about those trappings, that's what we're here for. So definitely reach out. Let's have a conversation about the trappings. Let's talk about why certain things are triggers. Let's get past those triggers so that way we can actually see each other and grow together. So with all that said, I hope you enjoy this uncut live stream that is Duelist Unity Raw, episode eight. Awesome. I'm excited for today's episode. I have to admit, yesterday's, conversa yesterday's conversation I'm going to slow down because I tend to ramble when I get very excited. Um, was amazing. I really enjoyed the episode that we recorded with Lisa Ann. A lot of insights, a lot. And it's just so interesting because we're always saying the same thing that it really doesn't matter which path you're going down as long as you're paying attention. Like even in, in the depths of her depression and isolation, that's where she found her lessons. And I always find it funny that that's the case because we always look at certain experiences and we all, or rather we tend to look at certain experiences and go, this shouldn't be happening. Something's obviously wrong, but in that, there is this cessation of control or a cessation of the sense of control that often we're clinging to, the illusion of it. So I thought it was really interesting. I really did just how that lesson always comes, comes through. And then again, talking about it in Kung Fu Panda today, 
we haven't we haven't released that episode yet by the way i'm working on editing it but that is the dualistic unity movie review for this week it's about kung fu panda um before we go any further by the way i don't know if she's listening at this specific time but i hope she catches it today i just wanted to give a quick shout out to a member of our dualistic unity family who's been here for a long time amanda happy birthday amanda we're so excited to have met you, to know you, and to have you as part of the growing entity that is dualistic unity. You are valued and, and you are appreciated. And anybody who hasn't talked to Amanda, you'll find her often active on Discord or in our Patreon groups. Uh, she's just a wonderful person. And so I just wanted to give her a shout out here and say, happy birthday. I hope that it's as awesome as you deserve which is awesome. Very, very awesome. Absolutely. Happy birthday, Amanda. <laughs> you're fucking dope. And we appreciate you very much. And we're so glad that you're a part of this community because you bring smiles to our faces and contemplative conversation every time I come across you. And um, so, yeah, just huge happy birthday shout out to Amanda. We appreciate you. And everything you've done and everything you will do in this community um, moving forward. So, yeah, but yeah, man, the last couple of days have been fucking awesome. That conversation yesterday with Lisa Ann was so cool. And like you were saying, just such an awesome example of someone who went through some, some shit that isn't super publicly known. Like people probably have assumptions about her ideas about her and, and there's, a story behind a lot of it of going through some some deep deep dark types of situations that she was able to work through not you know overnight it took took some time to get through it as we discussed on the episode but yeah she was able to come out the other side and really is just an example of what happens when you just have faith in yourself and you know recognize that as much as she has you know friends and, and people around her that support her and everything like she did that shit on her own like she she went through it on her own handled it on her own and got through it on her own and now is in a is in a space in her life that just is incredible and it's incredible to see after going through the story that she talked about uh just where she's at now is is really cool and it was a very very fun conversation so yeah appreciative very much of Lisa Ann as well for having the conversation with us. And I'm very much looking forward to the next time we get a chat with her. It's funny because you were talking about Lisa Ann and for a moment, I thought we were talking about Amanda because it's very much the same thing, right? Somebody who's gone through a lot and come out the other side just with so many tools and with a sense of freedom that comes from going through the fire, right? So. To both of them if you happen to be listening we love you we're inspired by you continue doing what you're doing please anything else you want to talk about today or shall we just bask in the presence of all of these awesome people that are in the community and having this discussion with us because we can do that all day we've got some people in the comments i'm good i'm good with anything i'm also good oh i don't have twitch pulled up so i i can't see the comments right now but i'm pulling it up um I'm down at, at some point to chat about the a recent response video 
you're interested. Um, I am to- absolutely interested. <laughs> I'm absolutely interested because I loved it. Admittedly, outside of watching Kung Fu Panda again, it was like the highlight of my evening. I have to say, watching that video was just genuinely amusing. And, and I'm not saying that to be condescending. It's just that there is so many, there are so many parts of that video or that podcast, sorry, um, where it's just, and again, I can't figure out if it's deliberate or not, but it's, there's this mistaken premise and then he just runs with it. And he runs with it because he has an emotional investment in that perspective. And you see it just boil to the surface over and over and over again. And he's like, okay, you know, it makes kind of an excuse. Like I, I, I'm very passionate about this. It's like you're emotionally invested in this, right? Like I get it. I do passion. I feel passion. I understand where you're coming from. I really do. But there was conflict and anger there too, right? And it's because you're, you're misinterpreting what we're saying to a large degree, which is fine because we weren't exactly being polished about it, but you really focused in on a very narrow part of the discussion. And then you kind of pretended like you hadn't heard the second part, which I think is really funny as well. Yeah. I, so what we're talking about is that uh, pronouns clip that we had from, it was originally from Dual Unity Raw number one. And I clipped it up, threw it on social media, and it caused all sorts of ruckus. Uh, I think the video on Instagram is at like 2,000 comments right now. It has like over 100,000 views. And it triggered and angered a lot of people. And there was someone who made a podcast episode basically responding just to that clip. He claimed to have watched the entire episode, whether or not he did. He said it was irrelevant to the conversation didn't actually add anything which just it was it was so fascinating how he took that clip which we stand by like we responded to it in dual unity raw episode five so if anyone's interested in hearing us expand on the conversation feel free to check that out but even within that episode there was so much more to it that being said like what we said had I think it had the capacity to be misunderstood more easily than a prolonged clip, but it was just a clip. And at the same time, it's like if you're caught up and invested in clinging and believing that identity and holding on to it and someone validating your identity provides you any value and someone not validating your identity somehow diminishes your value, then no matter which way we say it, you're going to be misunderstanding it. And and the core of what we're saying is your value is immeasurable. There is no way for it to go up or down. And thinking that it is, is believe in through believing that, you know, illusions, identity, what you might choose to identify as is the truth allows for that fluctuation to be possible. Identity is just a tool, as we said many times, which he agreed with, but he goes beyond that and and says that it's a way to escape reality, essentially. The reality, yeah, but he he expresses it in a way where he says that he recognizes 
what reality is, you know, uncertainty, chaos, without any identities and labels. It is raw uncertainty, which is freedom. Uncertainty and freedom go hand in hand, but he has a negative idea of that. He says that's something we have to avoid because, you know, it's, I don't remember the exact word he uses, but it's something like it's frightening. It's scary. We have to avoid it. It's unsettling. But that's just his perspective. Uncertainty isn't objectively a bad thing. It's the reality of things. But as we take concepts and ideas and, and beliefs to be the truth, it cuts us off from that uncertainty. And we're all of a sudden we're clinging to these ideas. And as soon as they're questioned, we get triggered. And that's one of the one of the issues with clinging to made up identities and believing they're the truth. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. But it's an interesting conversation because what he's saying makes sense on the surface. It makes sense if you're looking at the discomfort and going, look, what is the problem with just alleviating somebody's discomfort? I understand that argument. What I'm saying is that a, a short-term cessation of discomfort that perpetuates long-term suffering isn't a trade. That's not a good, like to me, that doesn't make any sense. What you're asking is for me to enable something that is making it worse. And what I'm saying isn't that I'm not happy to use somebody else's pronouns. What I'm saying is I'm not willing to think their reality or a measure of that person's value or potential. And I don't want them to look at me that way. And if they do, so be it. I expect people are going to do that because of the way that they have to look at themselves, which is the point that we're making. If somebody is judging me for not caring what a pronoun means about me, that's because they're holding on to what their pronoun means about them. It's the conversation that undermines that entire argument. And that's the point is that that person's going to want to create conflict to self-validate. I can rise to that conflict. And in some cases I should, in some cases I should to establish boundaries and maintain and maintain boundaries. Nobody in this argument has been saying that people shouldn't be not demanding respect, but respecting themselves enough to maintain boundaries. But that doesn't mean that you should immediately feel threatened when somebody doesn't use your pronoun or doesn't understand your pronoun or just doesn't agree with you that it means anything. That shouldn't matter. And I wanted to address another point, if I can, quickly, if you don't mind, because he continued to say this one thing about how you and I are obviously he. How he knows that, I'm not quite sure outside of looking at us and assuming based on gender stereotypes. But what was interesting was this idea that, and therefore, because we're he, nobody's ever challenged us on our heinous, on our, on our masculinity. I would love to just point out the entire community of gay men who have been told their entire lives by insecure, masculine people that they're not manly, that they're not real men, despite still identifying as he. I just wanted to point that out because I don't know about you, Andrew, but growing up, I understand hanging around insecure dudes. If there's anything that you do that doesn't measure up to their perspective of what a man is, 
they tear you down. They straight up say, you know, that you are not a man. It still happens now. That's the point, isn't it? Isn't that, aren't those the kind of people that we're talking about? Where nothing is ever good enough to the point where you actually had to, to get out of that box and create your own pronoun to begin with? See, nobody's disagreeing with the point of the pronouns being created. What we're saying is that the underlying lesson is that none of them have value, or at least none of them are indicative of value. You can use them like any other concept. They're not reality. So that's really the only point. I found that interesting that it's like, we want you to help us make a better world, but please keep participating in the illusion that's creating the world we're in that's making us suffer. Yeah. And to go off of that point. So after that pronouns video, I made another video where I was wearing a dress and that video was basically to just express that concepts and labels aren't inherently the truth and they don't actually inherently mean anything. They're just like, when I'm wearing a dress, it's just a piece of fabric that's cut in a certain way. And he actually commented on that video saying, okay, then what are you then? Are you not the one speaking these words? And through that, it's very clear that he's missing the point because I'm expressing that, you know, the labels, concepts, the ideas aren't important yet. He's telling me that they are, that I, that I should be identifying. And then, and that it is the truth, what I am to a degree. And he even he even stated in his response that he agreed that the he, she never meant anything anyway, but he keeps going back to this idea that, oh, that's the way that society has always been. It's always affirmed that like he is he, and there's a lot of stereotypes that come along with that. And everyone who hasn't fit into the, you know, he narrative, like men who wear dresses, who still identify as men, you know, don't fit the masculine male narrative. Like, that's the point we're getting across, which he claims to agree with, but then goes back to this idea that, oh, because you're he, everything's always been affirming it to you. It's like, and I know he thinks that this is like new age spiritual bullshit that like, I don't identify, like my username on everything is not Andrew Murnane. Like, I recognize that I'm not that. And it's the society that has taken the name, the identity, the story of you to be the truth that has created an environment that doesn't allow for new ideas and different types of identities that fit within the same general box to be accepted. So ones that have created the boxes and the narratives around certain genders that don't, that when someone comes around questioning that specific box of gender, they get set off and triggered and and whatnot and and they don't accept them for what they are and we're not doing that at all we're just pointing out the issue with the core with the box that that box of gender fits within being the box of identity so he claims that people questioning identity are going up against you know the edge of societal norms they're pushing the boundaries etc 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 we're doing that too just on a larger scale of identity that he isn't comfortable with questioning because he believes that identity is the truth. Just like the people who are anti-trans and anti-gay 
believe that gender stereotypes are the truth. So we're just, we're doing the same thing that he is. It's just in conflict because he's saying that identity is the truth, which it isn't. And there, there are aspects of it that you need to affirm. You need to affirm what someone identifies as. Why not? You know, just use their pronouns, just use their pronouns. It's like, it isn't the truth. That's like someone saying, why, why can't they just, just be a man? That's what they're born with. Why can't they just be a man? Just, just be a man, just be a man. It's like, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same exact thing as those people. And we're just talking about identity. And you're just honed in on one thing that you're not comfortable questioning because you believe identity to be the truth. We're talking about a, a larger scale here. And that's where I think a lot of the confusion is coming in. And he recognizes that identity isn't the truth, but he's not willing to fully recognize that it isn't the truth. He thinks it's a necessity in order to avoid that super scary uncertainty and, and chaos that comes with raw reality, which is the reality of things, which is where freedom lies. Freedom and uncertainty go hand in hand. That is where freedom lies. As long as you run back to get out of this chaotic, uncertain reality, you're running back to a prison. You're running back to a prison every single time. You have to have faith in yourself. And if you are holding on to a concept of yourself in order to have faith in, then that's shaky faith at best. So the idea of uncertainty is terrifying because you don't really have a strong foundation you're standing on. You're standing on an illusion, looking to that for certainty to protect you. And it's what's making you afraid of the uncertainty. You're shielding yourself from growth at the end of the day. And it's because, and, and this is the point in listening to that podcast, there were so many times when he would say something like, oh, what they consider to be truth. And you can almost hear the air quotes. And then, or at one point he goes, unity, blah, blah, blah. And what's really interesting is not just the fact that that's ultimately what every minority group wants is unity. Like we want equality. That's what we're looking for. It's the fact that it's a concept to him that he's constantly looking at these things as just concepts. Like what is the truth? Truth is what is. Truth is everything that is, but it's not your concept of what is. See, that's the thing. It's like, what is real? It's easier to say what's not real. Concepts aren't reality. That's it. Concepts are, are descriptions of reality. And that's all. But it's that. And I understand he got really mad at me when I said, you know, take a walk in the woods when he recommended that I do some reading and I check out a certain author. And my only point was, you're still pointing at concepts. You're still pointing at somebody else's description of the experience of being in what is or of being what is. Instead of coming at it from your own experience and not some glimpse, not somebody, oh, I've had an ego death, I get all of that. It's like dipping your toe in and, say you went, and saying you went swimming. Right? Like it's, it's a totally different thing. Your initial reaction to the cold water doesn't imply that the water's as cold as you think, just that you're reacting to it because you're used to something else. The same is true for being in reality. It's uncomfortable as hell at first. I'm not going to deny that. It's like ripping off an eyelid, right? Like it's really hard because you're just like, Jesus, I can't unsee that. But that all comes down to your preference, which is all part of your illusion. 
If you were to let go of that, you'd realize you're way stronger than your preferences would imply. You're way more able than your self-image would imply. But it's that box that you hold on to for a sense of what's real and what's not that limits you and everyone else. That's all. It's not about not using them. It really isn't. Like, go ahead. Use whatever you want. Uh, he mentioned that we had an aversion to using it as a pronoun because we said that, you know, it's dehumanizing from the perspective of somebody who's identifying with it as a source of value. Absolutely. Because otherwise, yeah, I'm an it. That's an accurate thing to say. I'm an object moving about the world. Yes, I have a subjective experience, but if we're talking about just me, the object, and we're trying to identify it, see, it, right? Which is in what we call babies to a certain point till we know their gender, but they never stop being it, regardless of the fact that now we have a different thing to call them. So I, I just wanted to mention that quickly is that we don't have an aversion to the word it, and many people don't. Some people said that, like, it's something I wasn't aware of, that some people do identify as it. I'm aware of that. And typically those people don't give a shit what you think about them. If they did, do you think that they would go out and identify themselves as it openly? That's like the years I walked around calling myself God just to get somebody to talk about it. Like, you're willingly going into a conversation because you feel strong enough to do so. And the same is for the pronoun community. That's what we're saying. Like people can go out and use any pronoun they want, but it's the fear of people tearing them down because they don't agree with it. And I understand that fear when you're looking for some sense of validation for yourself. And this is why the message that we're trying to say more than anything else is that your value is immeasurable. That is the underlying note to take from this conversation. We're talking about the ego hiding the fact that our value is constantly immeasurable. That's it, that's the whole point. And so I understand that flies in the face of the illusion that we're invested in. I, I do, I, I understand it's uncomfortable and it's not what we're used to doing in, in terms of how we evaluate how we're going through life. It makes it really weird because, well then how do I judge myself? You don't, right? You're doing your best, keep doing your best, right? And, and again, we're all trying to figure out our way through this over-involvement with the concept of division, because that's what we're all suffering through. But part of that, or, or actually the core of that, is identity. So it's going to be a long conversation, and we can't get through that conversation if we're just trying to feel good in the short term. It's going to feel uncomfortable you know, as we collectively let go of an addiction to an illusion. It's just like any addict. Collectively, we are addicted to this illusion. Yeah, going back to the it, they uh, explanation, like we we went on to talk about this a lot more. And with the it, they, it statement of that being a word that you can use, it is the singular non-binary. And what we expressed was, of course, people don't want to use that because it sounds dehumanizing. It sounds uncomfortable. I in no way meant that if I got called it, I would be uncomfortable. Call me it. Call me. It's so odd. Like, 
it's the same with anyone, you know, coming at you with a ton of insecurities and judging you for doing something like being your authentic self. Like it doesn't actually have to do with you. And I know he, he talked about this saying that, you know, well, it's easy for these guys to say, just, you know, don't let it bother you. Don't let it bother you. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, same with the dress video. Like I was explaining that concepts aren't truth and he's coming back at me saying, then, you know, what are you then? And he's trying to get me to identify as a concept when I'm not. And so he's telling, he's trying to tell me like what I am when I'm saying that I'm not any concept. So he's doing the exact thing that he's getting so pissed off about people doing, which just fucking fascinates me. So the it statement, it's not, it's not saying like, he thinks it came across that we promote like misgendering people or calling people it or whatever. That is not the case at all. Like if someone has a certain pronoun that they prefer to use, like I'm going to use it for them when I, when I know what it is, like I have no issue with that at all, but it's the expectation expectation, like just at its core leads to suffering. It leads to disappointment. Every single time, if you're expecting someone to do something for you, if you're expecting something from someone else, it's going to lead to suffering. It's going to lead to disappointment, no matter what you're expecting of them. And I know a lot of people who go by certain pronouns, like they may not get super angry, but it's where it's coming from. It's like the core of that, that is just driving their life. Like they need it in whatever way that they do even having the preference and expectation for someone else to call you it. Like the core is identity. And that's what we're talking about. Any identity. It doesn't matter if it's just gender identity. It's when people are religious that I know he is, you know, he, he loves when I talk about anti-religious stuff and it's the same thing. It's identity. Again, when people identify as a certain religion and you question it, they get super uncomfortable when people identify with a certain gender pronoun and you question it, certain gender identity, they get uncomfortable. It's the same fucking conversation. It's the same core. It's identity. And it's not the truth. It's a concept. It's a belief that you're attaching to your idea of yourself. And those ideas are never the truth of what you are. And beyond those ideas is the truth of what you are, which is what's left when you recognize that you're not an idea and your value isn't tied to any idea or how someone thinks about it. Uh, something else brought up was uh, expertise, and he was questioning where our expertise was coming from. He was like, "What book have you read on truth? What what ex? Where is your expertise coming from?" It's like, motherfucker, I am truth, I am reality, and that's the confusion. And even saying things like, you know, here and now, and and he goes through, like you said, with thinking like he's had an ego death. So he thinks he's just seen it all and come out the other end and now attaches to identities and, and all that stuff. And so he thinks he, he knows exactly everything that we're saying. And it's like, he's dipped his toe in the water. He hasn't jumped in. And just because he got uncomfortable when he saw re the rawness of reality for what it was thinking that's objectively bad, he ran away. And now he thinks that anyone who questions the, that I, the fact that identity is never truth. And it actually isn't necessary to take it as truth. It's super convenient and beneficial. Like the example we've used with names, you go up to a crowd, 
No one has a name. You're like, hey, you, you want to get your friend's attention. Hey, you, everyone turns around. That's super inconvenient. So we use names for convenience sake. It doesn't mean anything about you. It's not the truth of what they are. It just allows you to get their attention. And so with getting into the idea that, you know, he's been through, this is all new age spiritual stuff we're talking about. He's been through it. It's like, this is the core of reality and talking about the here and now, like obviously something we talk about all the time because it's the truth of what you are. You can't escape. You can't experience something that isn't here now. And he talks about it again. It's, it's very evident that he thinks of that as a concept, the now. Oh, it's like you, you, you should just be in the now and there's benefit to that. Just be in that. You can't not be in the now. You can't not be in the now. The now is the truth of what you are. But if you're if you think you're a concept, if you're if you think you're an idea that exists in the past and the future. That's not the truth of what you are. The reality of what you are is here. You are the here. You are the now. We use concepts and ideas, identities to allow ourselves to more conveniently exist. You know, a road isn't the name that it's called. It just allows us to, you know, navigate the world. But that's all that it is. That's all that it is. The here and now is not a concept that you can go in and out of. You can't experience, you know, oh, I'm experiencing the now. I'm present right now. Like I wasn't present before. It's like, that's just an idea. That's just an illusion. It's clear that you're caught up in illusions if you believe that you can't, there's a possibility of not being present. It's intrinsically tied to you. You are it as reality because you're not a concept and you're not an idea. And to wrap up our summary of this, because I mean, at the end of the day, we appreciate the feedback. We've heard it before and I understand what you're saying and where it comes from. You and you believe you've thought through this fully and that because you've referenced other people and agree with them that it's been thought through more fully but there's always more there's always more until there is a problem that binds us together because you keep referring to society society's expectations we are society society changes with us so just keep that in mind like we are changing the environment by changing ourselves that is an impact we don't have to force others to change we change by example in freedom, we teach other people that freedom is possible. So I understand that you think your current perception of the solution is the solution. What I'm saying is that your solution is a short-term fix with a long-term consequence. I don't like it any more than you do. But I think where the argument stops is right here. And somebody found it for, for us in the comment section with this quote. Truth is a concept. All we have are concepts. And that's actually something that this person said. So that's where the conversation stops because there's nowhere to go from there until that person gets tired of that idea, of that box. And then this conversation is going to be an entirely different thing. But at the moment, it's just insulting and it's just terrifying or it's tearing the idea of him down or the idea of others down, which is somehow connected to the idea of him. So there's, there's this mental gymnastics thing that will continue to happen. And so I wanted to say to the listener, recognize your audience, recognize who you're talking about. This conversation has been fun. There's lots of lots to learn from it, but then put it down 
because there are a lot of people who will have a lot of perceptions of you. Uh, one point that he brought up, just to go back into this quickly, um, was that obviously we're doing the podcast because we're looking for self-validation. Obviously, we're making this point because we're looking to increase our, our perception of ourselves. You have any idea how many hateful things that we were called just for making this point? You think it's easy to question identity as a whole? You think religious people enjoy it when we have this conversation? We're not looking for validation. I didn't start this podcast because I hadn't had this conversation up until the podcast. I was quite happy just living my life. But this conversation is important and it helps people feel free. People who want to use it that way anyway. Right. So I think that's really just the point. That's all. Andrew, unless you have any final thoughts on this, I was going to get to some of the comments that have been waiting for us. Yeah, just last thing is in that in that statement that was commented, you can't free yourself through identifying with more concepts. Identifying and clinging to concepts, believing they're the truth can never free you. Identity, concepts, belief are all just another prison that you place yourself into because you've recognized potentially the raw uncertainty that comes with the letting go of those and you got scared. That's it. It doesn't have to be scary. That's just your perception of the rawness of uncertainty. Ray and I have both stared that uncertainty in the face and it was scary. Like it is scary at first. And then you actually have some faith in yourself and you start to recognize that Oh, that's the way it is. Oh, there's some freedom in this. Oh, I can, you know, actually move freely instead of clinging and running back to the prison that is identity every single time. So this is the same conversation that we've always had about religious identity, gender identity that we touched on recently. We're going to talk about it with nationalism. We're going to talk about it with every facet of identity. And if you identify with one of those things, for example, person who made the podcast doesn't identify with religion. They're totally fine with people shitting on religion because the consequence is obvious of those things. And yes, that is has been a part of the majority of our community. But just because it's a minority of people clinging to another identity, and even as you've said, with those who recognize that you know their gender isn't the truth of what they are, that is a step closer to recognizing this. But then because it's uncomfortable sitting in that uncertainty of, well, I'm not that, and I'm not that. I don't really know what I am. And it's it, like, you can, you can stop there. I don't know what I am. I can have an identity, sure, but just for a tool. But instead, they run back to another identity. I'm, I'm not this. I'm not this. I must be this. And then they cling to that. And it's never about clinging to the identity and taking it to be the truth. Any identity, religion, nationalism, gender identity. It's all the same conversation. It's all the same route. And as you cling to those, you're getting further and further from a true state of freedom, which is just recognizing they're never the truth. You can use them. They are very helpful tools. We don't discount that at all, but they're never the truth. That's all I got. And, and it's not an endpoint. See, that's the thing. It's like, oh, I, I got to let go of my, my identity. No, no, all identity. Because as soon as you question one, another one pops in. As soon as you question that, another one pops in. As soon as you question that, another one pops in. Because every time you look at yourself, a new concept forms. So it's always the same journey. Ongoing. It's not like, oh, I've questioned my identity as he. What are you now? Question that. 
because it's just as much a box. Your brain's always trying to create this box so it can feel certain, which is the point, right? It's, it's how we pump the brakes until we can get used to reality. When you get too used to pumping the brakes though, you just give into that fear, right? And collectively, that's what we've done. We've maintained the brakes, right? And we're not flowing, we're not moving, we're not growing, we're not expressing our intelligence because that's the other thing about uncertainty. That's where intelligence is expressed. That's where we're paying attention. That's where adaptation happens, is in uncertainty. Without uncertainty, there is no evolution. It's really important just to remember that. You know, like it's uncomfortable, reality is, but growth is uncomfortable. That's why we grow. <laughs> That's exactly it. We talked about the trees that were uh, grown in a biodome, kept falling over after they got like, three or four feet high, they couldn't figure out why. They're like well, getting all the right water and sunlight and everything else. And it was because there was no wind in the biodome. So the trees had no reason to establish roots. There was no challenge. And that's very much the point that we're making is that it's an ongoing challenge. Life is running from it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It just keeps you running. It's just like depression. It's just like self-doubt. It's just like anything else that the mind creates. As soon as you're afraid of it, you're done. Until you remind yourself, right, you're stronger than that because it comes from you. You are not derived from it. But it's a trick of the mind. And the mind plays it all the time. All the time. So just keep that in mind. Um, we're going to start getting some comments now because there's been some doozies and a good conversation that's been happening here. So I just wanted to, and I also wanted to mention that for some reason, our chat bot is not working. We're not seeing um, some things being reposted to other things. And so I appreciate everybody's patience. I asked Ray this the other day, but wanted him to elaborate on it. So I'm going to pass this to Andrew. Where does awareness happen if it's outside of space and time? Uh here now <laughs> like that's kind of the paradox is nowhere everywhere not somewhere you can point to relative to anything else though because anything relative to that which you point to is it so you can't point to it or not point to it and i think that's the paradox like in the in the word that i like like nowhere cut it between the w and the h now here it's like nowhere now here same sort of thing so where does awareness lie you can't even say really or i don't know maybe ray can say but i uh it just it just is right <laughs> that's a really good question <laughs> like I don't know where else to go with that. <laughs> See, it's it's tricky because the mind starts looking at the paradox, right? Like, I like what you were doing there because you're like nowhere and everywhere. It's like mm, exactly, right? Like we, it depends on how you look at it, right? Like if you want to look at it from the exterior, if you look at it from the objective, we're looking at where does consciousness come from or where does awareness come from in terms of the body. And so you, at first it was like, well, from the brain, obviously. Look for that. That's not the case. And then they started looking and now all of a sudden they're looking deeper at DNA. Somebody found that DNA has receptors that awareness is received through. Other people find that DNA itself is expressing awareness. So that kind of backs up the fact that it's receiving something. 
right? That it actually is aware of itself and its environment and how to adapt to its environment. DNA, just DNA, right? And so you see how we're looking from the outside in? We're trying to figure out like, how does awareness get into the body, but not where is awareness? Because what we're pointing at is that awareness is everywhere, which is that it's one awareness, but it's being individually received like different radios at different stations, which is kind of cool. But that's from the external objective view, right? From the internal, it'd be like trying, it'd be like if we were dreaming. And in that dream were all these other characters. And all of those other characters also knew that they were dreaming. So if all of us are dreaming, where's the origin of the dream? Because there's no head that we're dreaming in. Right. And that's what you were saying, like nowhere, because this is the conversation that we often get into that's going to be fun and frustrating. Because reality exists only in potential, except to us, which is the expression of that potential. We are the experience of that potential. But the potential itself only exists as a as a as a what if. In we try to call it a void, but that even gives the wrong impression. Like you're thinking about a three-dimensional space, but there isn't. You're thinking about something with borders. There isn't. You're trying to think about it like a dot of light amidst the darkness. That's not it either. There's nothing that your brain can do to form what there is without space and time except everything that you can see in your brain quote unquote in your mind and there's a lot why can you see all that because it all exists in potential and inside you subjectively is the void and you're experiencing it to such a real degree that it actually feels like an external experience of yourself Somebody asked me this the other day because I reposted a video about how there is no we. There is just I. And they're usually, this comes up quite frequently, but this guy said it pretty much directly. It's like, well, if it's just you, why would you make these videos? Do you often talk to yourself? I just asked, do you dream much? Because that's really what it is. It's not that there's a reason. Like you're not dreaming with a purpose. You're dreaming by virtue of your potential. You're dreaming by virtue of what you're capable of. It's not that there's a why. It's just that you're dreaming. And that's existence. There's no why. There's no purpose. It's not going anywhere and it's always been. That's it. It's just where we want to have a narrative. And we think that just because we perceive time that that is the case, instead of recognizing that each and every moment of each and every day is an opportunity to branch into infinite different directions. And they all exist as potential. And in all of them, you are there experiencing them as actuality. So, <laughs> um the potential side of it it's almost like you experience the what if until 
you do it and in that doing is the potential being expressed but it's like that seamlessness so it's like it's potential until you do it because you're the potential but you can't have a concept or an idea or think about it because like in the moment that you think or contemplate or whatever is you expressing it as well and so every time you try and like I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to think of it. Uh, you're doing it. And it's like, you can't escape that. Like looking, looking for my glasses through my glasses sort of thing, but even more seamless than that, or looking for a magnifying glass through the magnifying glass, like that type of, I don't know, even if that's paradox, but because we're it, it's like knowing yourself too. That implies two. I know myself. I love myself. I hate myself. It's like that implies two things and you're one. <laughs> you are just one thing. But when we get caught up in ideas and believe that concepts are the truth, we think there's two of us. That which is knowing and that which is known. That which is loving and that which is love. That's that which is hating and that which is hated. But you're not. Concepts are never the truth. That's the illusion. That's the grand illusion that the idea of us is the truth of us. And so you can't know yourself. You can't love yourself. You can't hate yourself. All you're doing is hating an illusion. All you're doing is loving an illusion and reinforcing that you're not what you are. And so awareness is that thing, that initial entity aspect, whatever. And so it's not anything you could because even even trying to express what awareness is is doing is being awareness in the expression of awareness so you can't even say it cuz as the sounds are happening it's like that's awareness right there so it's like you know you can't taste your own tongue as alan watts said light light fire or whatever that one is, point to your own finger, all that stuff. You can't even talk about awareness in truth. You can try to explain it or, or point to it, but it's just a pointer. It's just an expression that isn't it, and it never can be. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because you can never express the truth of awareness, but all expressions are the truth of awareness. So it's really interesting because it comes down to your perspective. It comes down to your level of clarity, right? And where you are in terms of understanding that there's no division, right? Like understanding that point that awareness itself is just what it is. I was having a conversation with somebody today who was afraid of death. And I was trying to explain, it's because you have this idea of yourself. And that's it. <laughs> it's very hard to get that across to somebody who's just getting into this conversation and i know somebody else was saying like you wouldn't just say that to somebody who's recently lost somebody it's like in some cases it really depends but it's the idea of yourself because you think you are a thing that can end there is a fear of you ending but the thing that you are is reality it is reality your awareness is reality. Without you, there is no reality to experience. You can say, well, everyone else 
But that's still the perspective of you as an individual. That's still the perspective of your awareness coming from your body. Your awareness doesn't come from your body. It isn't generated by your brain. It's interpreted by your brain. It's expressed by your brain, or it's a, a brain, the brain is an expression of it, if you want to go a little deeper, right? But that's kind of the whole point, is that it's the Tao that can't be told. See how old that is? We've known exactly what you're saying, Andrew, for a long time. Can't, you can't express it fully, but you can recognize it. You can. You can recognize it, and you don't have to be afraid of it. Right, but it's such a stark difference from the limited reality that we're used to operating within because it's easier to some degree to identify. That was the point that the person was making earlier in the podcast. But I say easier in the same way that I say ignorance is bliss. It's blissful because you're not aware of how much harm you're causing yourself. Doesn't mean you're not causing yourself harm. And that's really it. Right? Are we, are we done playing in this illusion? Are we done holding back our intelligence just because it would require us to change? And that's what changes people's lives when they go, yeah, the concepts aren't truth. I'm willing to not know. I'm willing to be in the uncertainty and see what it has to teach me, which is exactly what Lisa Ann was talking about going through in, in that episode that we recorded with her, right? All of a sudden, she had had so much control, like she was doing great. And then all of a sudden everything got kind of pulled out from underneath her. And that's when she found herself. And that's often the case, as we said, but it's important to recognize like the cessation of that sense of control really does make the difference in how far you can go into understanding all of this. Because as long as there's a you trying to understand, there is a division that makes it impossible to see. Yeah, I feel like it really comes down to, are you willing to be uncertain? Are you willing to see that reality is uncertain, that you are uncertain, that everything about your future is completely uncertain, that everything right now is completely uncertain? Are you willing to look that in the face and follow it up with, and that's okay, and I'm okay, and I'll be okay? That's it. Rather than, oh my God, everything's uncertain. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I am. And then running back to clinging to false certainty because there is no certainty that gets rid of that reality of uncertainty. There is no identity you can, can hold on to that will actually rid yourself of uncertainty. Uncertainty is going to keep coming up all the time, all over the place. Everything's always uncertain. Everything about you is always uncertain. But as you cling to those things, uncertainty still pops up and it's way easier to shake you when you're clinging to false certainty, as opposed to holding it loosely, recognizing the use case for it, you know, an identity, an idea, a concept, but not taking it so seriously that you believe that it's the truth. Because as soon as you think it's the truth, reality is going to come around and punch you in the fucking face. Be like, you thought that was the truth? Well, here I am. Uncertainty. Coming back for you. I'm always here. I didn't leave. Everything's always uncertain. Always. So you're better off recognizing that and relaxing into it because it's inevitably going to keep coming up. But if you think that it's not, if you hope that it's not, if you fear that it might keep popping up, 
when it inevitably will, you're going to be shaken every single time. Every time you hold on to this idea of what you think, you know, the best thing is for you coming up, just to use an example, you know, job interview, any upcoming situation, think you have an idea of which outcome is best, getting the job is best, not getting the job is worse. You're creating suffering for yourself through not relaxing into the reality of not knowing what is best because, you know, all of a sudden you have this idea of getting the job is best. Like, I hope I get the job. I hope I don't not get the job. I afraid, I'm afraid I might not get the job because you think that that's the best case scenario. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen and you also don't know what it's going to lead to. So it's like beyond just the immediate, you don't know where it's going to go. So becoming okay with that and kind of becoming excited by that because there is a degree of excitement that comes with not knowing, being able to wake up and and not have or have a plan for your day, sure, but not think that it's actually going to happen exactly like that or hope that it happens exactly like that because then, you know, you know, it might as well not even happen at all. You know, that uncertainty is what gives life its beauty. It's the exact thing that gives life its beauty. That reality that you don't know what's going to happen in five minutes, five hours, five days. That reality of uncertainty is what gives life all of its beauty. That's really interesting. Like we have such a powerful imagination that we can go through a spectrum of possibilities that might happen in this event. And then we immediately stop on the one that we're afraid of. But when we were children, we would actually explore those. Like we would actually go through our imagination, come to like a part where we were afraid and then keep going past it and keep pushing past what would happen then, what would happen then, what would happen then? Because we didn't have the fear. We were just like, it's just in my head. Now, all of a sudden it's like, ah, it's gotta be real. I can see it in my head and I'm afraid of it. And we just stop using our imagination. But what if you weren't? What if you went, oh God, what if I go to this job interview and I lose my job? And then I leave and on the way home, I meet somebody who introduces me to a really cool employer. We never do that, right? We never do that because it's just as like it's just as likely. If you're going to imagine possibilities, imagine them all. Because as we said, they're all potential, right? And your awareness of how many potential variations there are gives you an increasing sense that you're not supposed to feel like you're in control, that you're supposed to dance. Dance in all these possibilities, find your groove, enjoy your life, feel the tempo, because it changes with you. You can feel when you're out of control, you can feel when you're calm, you can feel when you're empathetic. You can feel these things, they're not just concepts. Right? It's just like a dance through reality, but you have to keep it light. And as long as it's an intellectual exercise, that's a very heavy, heavy dance. Yeah. And with the uncertainty or the flow of reality, like it's always going to keep flowing. And any concept or identity or, or belief that you hold on to is not moving with that flow. We talked earlier about continuing to question the identities that come up inside of your head. Because they're always coming up, but they're always a box. They're always, it, it's trying to balance between finding certainty, which inherently imprisons you. And so you have to, when we say you got to stay on the ball, it's not like this thing where it's like, careful, you know, 
stay on the ball. It's a scary thing. The ball's unbalanced. It's just a continued process of questioning, of recognizing that you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle on the prisons, which is any concept, idea, belief, identity that you cling to. They're all prisons. So as they come up, because they always will, that's what your brain does. It's fascinating because it's like that is what the brain does. That's what makes it so powerful, an aspect of it. But it's always trying to figure out things, including what you are, which you can't figure out. So it's like we're kind of working against this thing that's trying to figure us out and then put us in a box constantly. And it's not that you have to fight it. Don't fight it. Just recognize that you don't have to take it seriously. There's a difference between resisting what the brain or the box shows you and not taking it seriously and taking it lightly, keeping it light, as Ray said. You know, you can think of it like a like a little kid who's yapping in your ear, like, oh, you're such a piece of shit. You're worthless. You're you're garbage. It's like, are you gonna take that little kid seriously? No, probably not. And if you do, like, you know, that's kind of on you, but you don't have to take it seriously. It's you know? an asshole. Yeah. Kid's a dick. Fuck that kid. <laughs> give him a, I'd give him a little push. Then he goes crying to his mom. Oh, he tripped. But yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's an older kid. It's not like a three-year-old chill. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as those things arise, because it's always going to be the case. When I talk about, you know, my mind's quieter than it used to be, it's not even that it's quieter. It's that I take it less seriously and almost through that don't notice it as much. Like, I don't have to take it seriously. There's always going to be some sort of background hum. And as there's hums that you hear and you're like, I don't like that one, it's going to get louder. That resistance makes it louder. That taking it seriously, believing the concept, believing that concepts are truth is what causes the distortion and the suffering, whatever concept that it is. As you believe that it's a truth, as you take it seriously, it's going to cause you to suffer even more. There is a fantastic animation that was done by, I think, a student back in 2010-ish, maybe. You can find it online if you Google uh, the fly animation, and you'll know if it's the right video because it's basically this guy with a sword, and he's in his dojo, and he's trying to meditate, and this fly comes down. And, it, and lands on his face and he's trying not to react to it and it's driving him nuts finally he just gets up and cleanly just slices the fly in midair like the fly is done and he gets back down to meditate and then two pieces of, of the fly become two flies instead and now they're bugging him and so he's got the sword out against done all of a sudden there's four flies and so the flies continue to go and he's finally, he's just hacking at them. He's trying to get rid of them all. And then finally he sees the lotus petals on the wall in the painting and the, the scene of peace. And he settles down and he puts himself there and the flies all turn into lotus petals and they all drift to the ground. It's a beautiful, beautiful animation. It's really well done. I don't know who did it, but I love it. But that's very much the point is while you're swatting at these thoughts, you're empowering them. Each thought you try to resolve creates two more. Each doubt that you give power over you by trying to cope with it or convince yourself it's not true, you're adding to it. You just have to relax past them. 
and you will get to a state where you recognize that the things that you're thinking about or the things that you were thinking about were only relevant because you were afraid and stressed. And in that state of stress and fear and confusion, you are thinking about things that aren't real. You are trying to cope. Your brain is trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And that's totally normal. Just don't grab on to everything it tries to reach for for truth. Because it's not the truth. It's just that your brain does not like not knowing what's happening. It does its, it does its best work in that state, though. I want to say that. It really does. That's how we've invented so many things as a species. That's how we've advanced so much as a species in not knowing what to do. Like to the, to the invention of the first fish hooks out of bone, right? Like that's cool. You think about it like an animal coming out of the woods, figuring out how to make fish hooks out of bone and clothing because it's cold and they're losing some of their hair as they change climate and stuff like that. That is cool. But that wasn't something that was taught to us. All of our inventions weren't taught to us. That's the point. They came from uncertainty. So that's where we shine. Right? But we resist it. It's like I was saying to Lisa Ann about religion. It's so funny that religion tries to appeal to the masses where it's the state of isolation that has created each and every religion. Each and every person that the religion's based on was coming from a state of individuality, of taking sole responsibility for their journey and their connection to the divine. And yet religion's like, follow them. Yeah, that's pretty damn funny when when you see it. But yeah, whether it's religion or like you were saying, an invention, it's it's fascinating how that it's that state of uncertainty, that that chaos and uncertainty that's so scary that it's like that's where you have to be to actually experience true intelligence not that you get from books from someone else's description of what the truth is because as we all know the description is never the described and so as we hold on to these ideas and and looking to the past and and reading books about what the truth is to figure out the truth it's like you're reading the truth trying to figure out what the truth is you're you're experiencing the truth being the truth trying to find the truth, like looking for itself and with religion as well, with the structure. It's just fascinating how we we settle on that state of false certainty and, and comfort so quickly. We get to a place where we just settle on the comfort and don't recognize that, like you said, the, the people who started the religion started on their own. They, they had to do it alone. And that's why we, we're constantly telling people like, don't believe anything we say. Don't believe in dualist unity. Don't believe anything I say or Ray says. Continue to question us. Continue to question everything you believe to be the truth. And you will allow intelligence to arise within you as well as intelligence. But it's nothing, you know, that we say or that anyone says that, you know, Krishnamurti says or Jesus said or the Bible says or or any of it is going to get you to that place as long as you're holding on to someone else's recognition. And so this brings me to something else I want to talk about because we've talked many times and you said how you're appreciative that I've not never thought of you as a teacher anyway. And I haven't, I don't, I don't need a teacher. I've never felt like I did. And coming to these things, like I recognize that I wasn't what I think thought I was. And 
that was about a year and a half ago and just didn't really come across anyone who seemed to be saying the same thing until I came across your stuff. And and so it was really cool coming across that. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious just what's going on inside of Ray's head in, in terms of coming across me. So you said that before dualist unity, you were pretty quiet. Like we weren't going through so much shit and you were kind of thinking, not that you were like trying to make this happen or fucking manifesting or any of that bullshit, but it would be cool if someone came across who was, you know, early on this journey or path or whatever, and had a bunch of questions and up I came. And so I'm curious throughout the process, I know we relaxing into uncertainty and everything, but I'm, I'm just, I'm still kind of curious if you had any inclinations of any sort of potential process for myself and for dualist community at all, or if it was literally pure uncertainty or if, if there were ever hints of like, Ooh, if he's starting to see this, like, is this going to maybe get to this at some point and, and not settle on it? I'm not saying that at all, but just have an idea based on your sort of path of like going deeper into this recognition. Cause I've gone a lot deeper since we first met. And obviously it's not, you know, there's no specific trajectory, but I'm just kind of curious if there has been just like what, if there are any thoughts that you've had along the way or inclinations early on, <laughs> I know this kind of goes in the face of like everything we talk about all the time, but I'm curious if there was like anything along those lines. It's a really good question. Not necessarily easy to, to answer because I don't necessarily operate like that. It's kind of like at the retreat. At the retreat, I was in a state of awareness where everything was appropriate. Everything that was happening was timed perfectly. And you could see the timing to the point where you could actually call what was happening. You remember the moment where I'm like, somebody's going to come down the stairs in about five minutes. Somebody comes down the stairs in about five minutes. That stuff's kind of happening all the time. And we can feel it happening and we call it intuition, right? But to try and use it doesn't work. Like you have to just let it be because then you fall into the timing. You're not making the timing happen, right? And so before I met you, I had a question that nagged at me constantly. Why? Why the hell? Am I having all of these insights? Why the hell am I experiencing all of this all the time? Whereas it was changing my life to the point where I was more and more calm. But there were so many insights all the time. As soon as I would watch the news or talk to somebody in life coaching or anything else, bam, 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 bam. And I would just keep seeing more and more and more and more and more. And in that, you could detect kind of a trajectory. Like there was a conversation that was building on one side, right? And so it just felt appropriate that that conversation would find another participant who wanted to engage in it, who had an enthusiasm for it. 
And that's why I used to say to Melissa, like, it'd be perfect to meet somebody like mid twenties who's just coming to the realization they're not what they think. And they've got a shit ton of questions about how big that is, right? And it's not to teach, but to share. Because that's the point is that all I'm telling you is I don't know what the fuck reality is. <laughs> but I'm doing so in a way that makes that make sense. Or like, right, that's kind of a good thing then. Exactly. Exactly. And that's all I've been getting across is that it's okay to not know. Here I've been embracing not knowing for like half my life and it's okay. There's a lot of fun in there. And so here you came. Now, I think that answers part one of your question which was about your role in this, I believe. As for going forward, dualistic unity, it's very much the same feeling. And I wonder if you feel the same because your life had kind of the same trajectory. All of a sudden you just going along, going along, bam, 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 bam. You've been going through all these changes, experiencing in your life, rippling out into the world around you and doing all that. We see the people on Discord. We see the people on Patreon in our groups. We see the guests that we're having on the show with their audiences having very similar conversations. And so we see this discussion that's been building from numerous different perspectives. And they're starting to come together. And so when I see the larger trajectory, I do see a ripple in that discussion changing our collective or changing the collective individual that is humanity that is the world i really do as for where i see dualistic unity in that i have no expectations whatsoever i have a shit ton of energy and enthusiasm and passion for it though and i know you do too um, i know our community does the people that we talk to regularly I, I know that they are feeling this in themselves it's not that they're trying to fix anything so much as they're just recognizing there's nothing to fix they have nothing but potential if they just allow themselves to be. So on that, based on the fact that so many people are experiencing this release in the same way that I did from my hell, yeah, I see a larger trajectory. I see a bigger cycle. I see the pendulum swinging in a larger way. It's not just that you came along or they came along. There are so many more of us. And it's just the discussion growing. That's all it is. And as long as it's not distorted by anyone's need to feel like a teacher. It will continue to grow as long as it comes from a place of genuine recognition. It's not just the concept of unity. We can't believe in this. Now, this is actually, I wanted to address this as a comment. Somebody actually said this earlier. How about our father who art in heaven? Our implies a community. No, it doesn't. And the, and the reason I say that is because while it's true, we are a community in dualistic unity, we are not a community in dualistic unity. We are all individuals solely responsible for our relationship between the observer and the observed, solely responsible for our existence as existence. It's when we start looking to others to support that and need them to support that and agree with our perspectives that things start to fall apart. We have to come at this from it being responsible or from it being important to you. Not because it's important to them, because it's important to you, because it's not our father. It's not even really father. There is no we, there is no our. We are all you. We are all you. This one's hard to get. I understand. I had a conversation with somebody about this earlier today. When you see somebody walk past you, 
That is your awareness walking past you because you think that you are your body. So when I say walking past you, that makes sense. Whereas if I were to say, that's you walking past both of you, that would be harder for you to understand, but it's closer to the truth. You're walking past yourself on two parts at the same time. Do you see how the brain suddenly goes, what? That's hard to understand. But if you were to look at it in the case of each cell in your arm, has an individual experience of itself, but they all make up the whole arm. They're all you. And on their own level, they look at themselves as you. Not you, the idea of yourself, but you, the individual. They all, if they could express themselves, would say, I'm me in reality. And it's all you in reality on numerous different scales of complexity, your entire body, our individual cells, individual organs, individual functions, all making up one you and each of those individual things on its own experiencing itself as me as well in its own way, in its own form and function. So if you were to take that and expand it and understand that just like every cell is it having an individual experience it makes up the same body that is you, each and every person is like a cell having an individual experience that it makes up the body that is you. Everything living makes up the body that is you. That's what Jesus was saying. This is my body. <laughs> right? That's the whole point. So it's just a matter of understanding that. And that perspective, that understanding, that recognition is limited by your desire to be a concept. Even everything I've just, I've just said is unfortunately a betrayal of the truth. Yeah, the, uh, the individuality component, I think, is just very important to recognize in yourself, but also to recognize for anyone in your environment, like, you know, family, friends who feel like they're, they're not getting it. I just want them to get it. Like it's their own journey. Like it has to be, you can't force someone or convince someone of the truth because everything they're holding on to is just hindering them from recognizing that they're it. So it's not a place you can get even because it's you talking to you. So it's, you can't express that if they're holding so tightly to a concept, to an idea. And so I think I've, I've appreciated that with, cause I know it's, it's gotta be such a fine line, just like with our relationship, right. Of me recognizing things along the way. And you've said, I get things quickly. And even just with time, it's like, I don't even know what that, what that means necessarily. Don't worry. I'm not going to stroke my own ego with any of that shit but uh it's funny because if anything it's almost like and i i've seen this too with people who are like i just want to see it i want to be so clear it's like you need the experiences to build that base and so if anything it's kind of been like don't rush it don't rush it <laughs> like and even when i feel like there are times with some of my messages and my videos, I'm like, I'm not really, you know, it's not super clear. It's not, it's not, there's still some distortion in it. It's like, there's always going to be a degree of distortion. 
Like, like you just said, everything you just said is a betrayal of the truth. So no matter what, it's like when you get caught up in trying to be super clear, you get caught up in a judgment of being, you know, not clear enough. And there is no objective clarity through a TikTok video or a podcast episode or a sentence that you say. There is no pure clarity through language. So it's important to not get too caught up in that. And I think that's been something that as I've recognized that further, I've gotten more comfortable with just expressing it and recognizing that no expression of it is going to be it. So just wherever you're at, express yourself and what you're going through and not even so much try and convince anyone of anything, but even just expressing what you're starting to recognize and expressing your experiences and what you're going through, like that is probably as close to the truth as you can get is talking about your authentic experience and being open and vulnerable and the things you're struggling with and the things you're getting excited about and enthusiastic about and all that stuff, as opposed to just trying to explain it all the time. And so I think if anything, you've kind of helped me to, to not rush through anything too much, because I think when I do, it, it very quickly becomes a weight because it very quickly becomes conceptual when you're trying to rush it. Like I want to be something that is clear as opposed to, dude, your fucking clarity, the whole, like you are the truth the whole time. You're trying to get to this place where you understand it so well that you're like, you're more clear. You can't be more clear unless you're caught up in illusions. The illusion of you could could be more clear in your fucking head, but it's not the reality of what you are. The reality of what you are is always there. And so it's like how distorted. And if you go to, if you want it too much, want uh, etymology of want being lack, you're reinforcing lack. As you want to be clear, you're reinforcing that you're not already clear, that you're not, not already enough, that you're that you're not already there. And so it's a letting go of that that allows you to express clarity. And so there is nowhere to rush to. That's the bitch of it, huh? You start rushing, you start trying to be more clear, you start trying to get more of it or see more. It's already, you're already, you've already arrived. It's just your belief that you haven't, your belief that you're arriving somewhere else, becoming something else, becoming more clear, becoming more, becoming, you know, the truth of what you are in, in a state of clarity, getting to a state of clarity, even how do I remain in a state of clarity? Like, stop thinking that you're not. Stop thinking about yourself so much. Yourself isn't, the idea of yourself isn't clarity. So as long as you're caught up in trying to be clear, it's going to hinder it. It's going to go in the opposite direction of actually recognizing it because you're holding on to a concept, an idea of clarity, as opposed to recognizing that it's what you already are. Ah. You ever see uh, the image of like, like a donkey with a stick over its neck and on the end of the stick is a carrot. And so the donkey just keeps walking and following the carrot. So the farther yeah. the donkey walks, the more it pushes away its goal. It's exactly the point. The more we go in search of clarity of enlightenment, the farther we push it away. Doesn't matter how clever we are about it. You cannot outsmart it. It's not how it works. Right? Eventually you just have to sit down and relax. And when you do, the carrot comes to you. 
<laughs> and that's the point. That's the whole story about the, the woodcutter and the Satori, right? Satori's running through the forest. Like, you can't catch me. Woodcutter's chasing it. Can't catch it. Finally gives up. Goes to swing his axe to chop down a tree. Axe head flies off. Kills the Satori dead. Takes it home and eats it. And Satori means awakening. It means enlightenment. Right? And that's, that's the whole point of the story. Is like You're chasing something and making it harder. Because the very act of you chasing solidifies an illusion. And that illusion is the root of your suffering. That's all we're ever saying. I'm going to say it about every single thing that you chase trying to free yourself. That's how we started this conversation. That's, that's it right there. Trying to chase something, wholeness, completeness, clarity, freedom. You're already it. So the harder you chase, the more things you identify as, the more things you cling to, the further it gets from you. It's like every layer is a weight. Every identity is a layer. Everything you identify has that you hold on to, just packing on more weight weighs you down. You let go of those, recognize they're not the truth. They don't mean anything about your inherent value. You're more and more free every, every time. So, yeah. But you have to be willing or it's so interesting because I spent so long trying to get out of hell. And then what I recognized was the doorway is right there all the time, all the time, but it requires you to be willing to face hell, to let go of your opinion of hell, to stop thinking it means anything about you. And that's it, right? As I've gone along my journey since then, it's been more a willingness to go back into hell that has kept me going, right? Because each time you're like, I'm not afraid of it. It doesn't have that, impact, that power over me. And each time hell becomes diminished until it's no longer hell. It's just a spectrum of experience. And in that spectrum is the ability to empathize with more and more people who would live within that spectrum. And that's the point. That's the reason it's so important to build strength is so that you can go into the dark, scary places of your awareness and relate to people who are stuck there, who have forgotten that it's not, that's not all there is. Because I've said it before, hell is really believing the state of mind you're in is all there is and all you'll ever feel and that somehow you deserve it or that something's wrong with you and you'll never get out. That feeling is terrible. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. And I, it is a prison all its own and that box gets so tight. It gets so tight. And for somebody to come over and say, hey, the box isn't actually real. I know it seems real feels real it's as real as you are but it's made more real by your fear of it and that you are creating that fear so you are stronger than your fear and certain insights all of a sudden they make the box expand a bit and we can breathe and in that we have space to move and adapt and we can expand the box a bit more until one day the box just fucking disappears and we see everyone around us and some of them are in boxes, some of them, the boxes are thinner and we can kind of see through the progress they're making, but that's the process we're going through. That's it. That's the process. We're dissolving our boxes. Amen. <laughs> um, there is a question in here. Do you guys believe that everyone has shit? Um, if they're eaten, 
probably in them somewhere. <laughs> and you know, it's funny you jest, but that really is the point, isn't it? If they're alive, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's we like to, especially with some of the conversations, some of the more difficult conversations we have, people like to create barriers. You know, you can talk about this. You can't talk about that. You haven't experienced this. Clearly, you clearly identify as this, and that's been affirmed your whole life. It's like all of these assumptions getting thrown around left and right, all of these walls being put up about who can have a conversation about what. And the reality is we're all having this experience of the illusion of duality the that we go through our ego development to different degrees as a society we have sort of settled on you know whatever level that is like three or four you know level i say in quotes it's not like a real thing it's just the best way to we can talk about it and and so we all have the experience of to some degree going through this society and building an idea of ourself and a lot of us have stopped there, believing that our identity is the truth, not being able to build it and let it go and recognize that this is a tool, but it's not the truth of what I am. And so all of us have that experience, which I would say is a big aspect of our, of our shit in terms of psychological suffering. I think to a degree, you know, people go through different experiences of, of physical suffering and pain, and I'm not denying that at all there are differing degrees but it's always relative to what you've experienced we've talked about this many times that on the surface you know ray and my lives look very very different we have very very different upbringings if not like the farthest apart of upbringings as you could possibly imagine but you know we've both suffered to a degree and relative to us it just happened to be enough to question it and and question the box that we had been creating that was reinforcing our suffering and being willing to let go so on the surface yeah our suffering seems incredibly different and far off but relative to our personal experience it it was a degree of suffering that was enough I don't know. You can't say it's like, you know, I experienced, you know, fifth level 50 suffering and Ray experienced level 20,000 suffering. And it's like, it's, it's relative to us. I experienced enough. Ray experienced enough. Let it go. And so to a degree, yes, everyone has their shit, but you can't compare it. You can't say, and a lot of people flip it on themselves and think like, oh, this person's been through so much more. Like I'm suffering now. Like, who am I to to think that my suffering is, I, I shouldn't be suffering right now. I shouldn't be having this tough time. It's like, no, your suffering is just a, as valid as anyone's. It's still suffering. Can't, as Ray said many times, you can't compare pain. You can't compare suffering. It's all relative to you. So long story short, yes, everyone has shit. <laughs> yeah, being a parent really teaches you that when your toddler comes up to you because their friend was mean to them, and you can see how much it's hurting their feelings. You can see the suffering in them because they have no, no context. There's no defense to that. They've never experienced it. And so to them, it's traumatic. Whereas to us, after a lifetime of meeting assholes, we're just like, yeah, and? And that's the point. 
right? Like our, our spectrum is so much wider that we'd actually have to meet like a pretty extreme asshole for it to have that effect on us, right? And it's just through exposure. But the point is, is that to that kid, that spectrum of suffering is the same. That is an extreme to them and they're suffering as a result, right? So you can't compare pain. You really can't as much as we want to. And I know we do, right? For sure. But there are so many different journeys and I think the most important thing to remember is that all of them are influenced and governed by this journey out of our illusions. People will often make the case, right, but, you know, if you're going through atrocious story, atrocious story, basically insert horror story here, then it's not just about changing your state of mind. No, it's not just about changing your state of mind by any means, because when you change your state of mind, you see other opportunities. You see other directions. You see other things that you couldn't see before. If you are in, insert horror story here, and you're telling yourself you can't get out of that, then you're not going to see opportunities to do so. If you're telling yourself you deserve that, you're not going to see opportunities to leave or to change at all because you're telling yourself what reality is and you're telling yourself that it's beyond your control. It's beyond your influence. You don't have a part in how this plays. And I understand that there are environments where you really don't. And I know there are some horror stories where you are completely without will, in which case the last thing that you have is your life. I get that. Those are horror stories. Are, they are things that happen on the extreme edges as a result of the world that we've created out of a mentality where we don't directly deal with that before it gets to that state. So I get it but it's changing our mindset that allows us to address the world that creates those horror stories. It's changing our mindset that allows us to change the environment that we're in to varying degrees of those horror stories. It always comes back down to us. It always comes back down to clarity. It always comes back down to our ability to adapt and our illusions always stop that from happening. They always get in the way. It's all the, the point of this ever was and the point will ever be. And what's interesting is that there is a state of mind, and I know it quite well, where I would have gotten upset at hearing somebody say what I just said and say, oh, so it's my fault. It's not about fault. It's about whether or not you're tired of it. Because you can be waiting for someone to recognize that it's unfair. Or you can work on changing your experience. But somebody coming up to you and saying, oh my God, that's not fair, is only going to feel good in the short term. It's not going to change the situation. So just keep that in mind, that in order for you to change the situation, you have to let go of feeling good, willingly walk into hell and watch it run from you. Yeah, I get that uh, comment pretty often when when talking about you know whatever i'm talking about and it's like on one of my most recent videos talking about how it's it's too bad that most of our society doesn't recognize their wholeness and completeness and i went on like a two-minute rant about all of that how our society is basically creating an environment our society being us that reinforces a state of lack at all times we always have to get something 
more to become something more. And I had a few people comment, like with every video that I post like that, okay, like I get that, but what about someone who's, you know, suffering, starving in a third world country? Like, what, what do you say to them? And it's exactly what Ray just said, that it's not, no, changing your mindset doesn't, isn't the only thing. It doesn't just, it's not a magic, like all of a sudden you're not going to be suffering, starving in a third world country, like some magic, like transportation device, but it does allow you to see things differently. It's a shift in perspective that then allows for clarity. But as long as you're in a state in which you're suffering and you're blaming yourself, you're blaming other people, or you're caught up in feeling like you're not enough, feeling like you need to get somewhere. And this goes for people in a third world country starving and people in a first world country who are rich as fuck, rich as fuck. And they're still suffering because they don't feel like they're enough. Those are the people who a lot of times have this mental image of themselves that they're existing in comparison. And people hate this, but like that's still suffering too. Like that's still suffering to a degree and getting caught up in believing your identity, your idea of yourself, the illusion that's, you know, rooted in the past is the truth of what you are reinforces the illusion, which keeps you suffering and keeps you feeling like you aren't enough. So sure, shifting that doesn't change everything, but it does change something. And sometimes that something is just enough to eventually lead you down, you know, five, 10 more steps that does change everything. But what's the alternative? What's the alternative? You just stay in the state that you're in and keep saying like, oh, this, this isn't my fault. This is their fault. Like, does that do anything? Does it do anything? No, temporarily, you know, makes you feel a little bit better when you feel like it's it's on someone else. But it doesn't actually change anything. A couple hours later, once you get off that, you know, idea that you've been holding on to, it's like everything's still there. You're still you dealing with your shit with the same perspective that you had before. So, no, it's not going to change everything, but changes Changes sometimes just enough shift in perspective. And oftentimes that's the first step and all you need to get the ball rolling because right now it's pretty fucking stagnant. There's not much you can do from that. Well, and it's interesting because this kind of goes back to what you were saying, like how do you envision dualistic unity and all that? And talking to Lisa Ann the other day, she was saying, look at how she minimalized her life. She got rid of 75% of her life most of which ended up going to either friends or goodwill or people who could do something with it as a result of her questioning her identity and all the things that she thought gave her value. So immediately there's the spectrum on the rich side that's letting go of shit that can get redistributed out into the world. So if we had more people just questioning that on both ends, we would have people questioning those who aren't willing to change, right? And then we would have other people who are benefiting from the world that didn't want to change questioning that and letting it go back out to the rest of the world. And so we would have a natural re redistribution of wealth as opposed to an enforced redistribution of wealth, which is the entire point of dualistic unity, which is what we want to do. We want to get to the point where we are able to benefit lots and lots of people with an amount that is reasonable to their life, 
where nobody in the organization that will be dualistic unity ever makes ridiculous amounts just by virtue of them being at the top of the fucking pyramid. Like that is amazing to me how one CEO will get like a $10 million check for a year. What the hell are you going to do with $10 million in a year? Right. That it just doesn't make any sense. Whereas other people are getting paid minimum wage for making that company work. It just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't have to be that way. As long as the people running the company, the people who are invested in the company, the people who are, and I say company, but really it's vision change discussion in terms of dualistic unity. But as long as everybody's not lacking in themselves, because they're not identifying with an illusion that creates that lack, then there's nothing but an overflowing cup that eventually gives to everyone. Right? But it has to be coming from a place where we know what is enough. What is enough? Because the mentality that one has to have millions and millions and millions of dollars while they walk around through a city and watch homeless people starving, that mentality is evidence of how confused we are. Yeah, and it just is a clear example of a lack of faith in yourself as well. There's nothing wrong with saving money, having, you know, a safety net and whatnot, but it's like if the safety net's really 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 fucking big and you feel like you need it, like all that's doing, you can't have that and still have a ton of faith in yourself. And I think that's very interesting piece of it and just the reality that you know all of that stuff like anything we hold on to becomes a weight to a degree like there yes there's a degree that you know weight can be i'm very hesitant to say beneficial cuz i think in our mentality we feel like it could be beneficial but in the reality of it getting to a state of true freedom and like seeing what's possible in that weight isn't beneficial. And so it, it comes down to your priority, I think. And that's what I'm realizing more and more with all of this is like with the idea, the story of Andrew, and I've talked about this on, on the last couple of live streams of like recognizing the difference between this reality and a lucid dream is my story of me, the story of Andrew and the ability to experience a lucid dream while you're living in this reality may be directly correlated to how loosely you hold that story, how much you're willing to let go of that story of you being this individual illusion that you're caught up in thinking that you are like, as you let go more and more and recognize that you're the whole thing, you can't also hold on to being the one thing. You can't be all of it and separate. There's a spectrum there, but you can't have both. You can't experience the dream lucidly and hold on to the illusion of you that is very finite and caught up in holding on to control. Like you can't have both. It's not to say that one or the other is better or worse. But where's your priority? Do you want to see how far the rabbit hole goes? Or do you want to hold on to what's known? I think that's all that, uh, fuck, what's his name in the Matrix? Uh, red or blue pill? Morpheus. 
Morpheus. I think that's all Morpheus was ever saying with the red and the blue pill. Do you want to take the blue pill and go back to what you've always known, how things have always been? Or do you want to take the red pill and see how far the rabbit hole goes? See how deep it goes. I think that's all it is. It's the story of you. Do you want to take the blue pill and keep clinging to the story, be it positive or negative? There's nothing to say that, you know, having a positive idea or a negative idea is more or less freeing. Still the idea, still the story. How tightly you cling to it cuts you off from your ability to see what's possible as you let go. The red pill was not this fucking shallow bullshit idea of the matrix that we have right now. Like, oh, caught up in the system, you know, Andrew Tate type mentality. He's just as much, if not more caught up in the matrix than anyone being the idea of yourself, being the story of you taking the red pill is just letting go of that, relaxing into that chaos and uncertainty that is pretty unsettling and uncomfortable when you first see it, because it is so different, but I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to see how far that rabbit hole goes. I'm excited to talk about it along the way. (laughs) Yeah. I've been curious for half my life. It's what drives me. I love it. it. It really is just because once you stop thinking about yourself so much, you start to realize that that's the origin of all your doubt. So all of a sudden, the uncertainty changes in how it appears to you because it's no longer going through the filter of this limited mentality that you think you are. You're not holding yourself back as much. And that's the whole trick, right? It's just to dance with it. Get involved with it, but with awareness, never settle, right? Just feel it out. Trust your, in, your intuition. Be sensitive. There's no answer to that. There's no concept to get to. It is a deepening of your experience of the here and now. It's all it is. So on that note, we are going to wrap up here in a few minutes. I do want to say that we are continuing after this on Patreon. If you would like to join us for a group discussion where you can be on the screen with us, talking to us face-to-face in a group of other people having this un- this insightful conversation, we would love to see you there. Uh, just patreon.com slash dualisticunity. We are getting more members all the time to the point where the community is really growing very quickly. And I love the fact that Certain members are making friends with other members. They're communicating behind the scenes on their own. They're, be- they're basically building their own support network, not to support them in terms of like, we're going to help you, but to empathize with other people who are on the same journey of questioning themselves. So when it feels like you're not enough or you're maybe not living up to your expectation, they remind you, do you have an expectation? And then you both have a little laugh like, oh, right, I was taking myself seriously again. And you continue on. And that's really all this is about. So if you would like to join us, we would love to see you. If you feel like there isn't enough opportunity to have this conversation in your life, then that's definitely the best thing that we can offer you outside of the retreat, which is, of course, coming up on April 1st. Yes. Yeah. Having this conversation almost every single day, whether you're joining us live or listening to the podcast or on a Patreon call all the time. And because we, we love doing it and quit our jobs recently. And this is just where we're at right now, enjoying the conversation and enjoying all the people who are joining and enjoying the conversation as they join. So we do hope that you join us. We love connecting with everyone and hearing their stories and hearing about their insights and what they're going through. And it's 
been funny. You know, recently we've spent a lot of overlapping insights, a lot of overlapping experiences in the community. So it's been a lot of fun to see. And yeah, so join us on Patreon. DM us if you're curious about the retreat at Dualist Community at, at our accounts, wherever. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you all there and, and talking to you in the meantime. Absolutely. And if you happen to be free on Wednesdays at five o'clock Eastern time, we are typically live on Instagram. So we'd love to see you there as well. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone.